Welcome to Irish Exit Everything. My name is Frank, and people have been struggling for what we understand to be human rights for a really long time, over many, many centuries. And over the course of that time, while there's still very clearly oppression of many kinds, people tend to forget the struggles and movements and revolutions it took to get to this point we're at today. So it's important that we learn lessons from the past whether ancient or recent history, and remind ourselves that the fight isn't over. If you're on the same side of TikTok as me, while it's still available in the U.S., you've probably seen some commentary on the protests in France. Uh, if you're not familiar, the French president, Macron, is raising the retirement age from 62 to 64 in order to save the pension system. And the French people do not like that at all, to say the least. They've been protesting a lot. Millions of people have marched and protested this decision. And objectively, that's a good thing. People organizing and mobilizing. But it's sparked a, it's not really a debate. It's more of a discussion around protests in the U.S. People on one side of the discussion have said, wow, look at France. We should take notes from France. How come we don't protest like the French? Hell, we've got millions of Americans who work well past our alleged retirement age, which is 65, and hardly anybody questions that, at least not in a very organized way like what the French are doing. And people on the other side have said, we have tried protesting like France in 2020 with the George Floyd protests, but our protests were demonized. We were called rioters and looters, and the long arm of the law was brought down on us hard, and people died. And my response to that is, all of that is true. So what's next? Listen, I don't want to sound insensitive and I don't want anyone to get arrested or killed, but that's certainly always a risk when we protest. doesn't matter if there are good cops and bad cops. doesn't matter if you put a few bad cops behind bars. Policing as an institution in this country is built on systemic racism and only serves the interests of the wealthy. So cops will always bring the hammer down on protests that challenge the status quo, especially when movements are building enough power for systemic change which is what the George Floyd protests had the potential of doing. So what's next? Now, again, this isn't really a debate. Both sides of the discussion and both sides of the Atlantic want the same thing, collective action. It's not really a question of should we keep trying? It's a question of what should we do now? Because one thing's for sure, if we do nothing, nothing will change. I personally don't think there's anything wrong with folks getting inspiration from the protests in France. I also don't think there's anything wrong with folks pointing out that we tried mass protests before, some of the biggest protests in the history of the U.S., and we didn't see any progress yet. We haven't seen collective action on the same scale since 2020, but the struggle isn't over. There are folks still organizing for criminal justice reform and abolition, just on a much smaller grassroots level. Change looks different everywhere, and how we struggle for that change will be different everywhere, and it takes time, so we can't give up even in the face of violent repression, which I know is a big ask for folks. But there's strength in numbers. I mean, if we feel so inclined to look to France, then we should recognize that even after months of massive protests, garbage piling up in the streets, Macron is still moving forward with the pension reform. Macron says he hears the people's anger, but he couldn't possibly tax the rich more to save the pension system, so sorry, not sorry, or désolé, as the French say. The reform will likely be implemented by the end of the year, unless the working class continues to build more and more pressure. And even after the reform was passed, 
Labor unions in France are calling for more protests on May 1st, International Workers' Day, the real Labor Day. This is a good example that the struggle doesn't end after a loss. A struggle doesn't end after a law is passed. If a law is written, it can be erased, as long as there's enough pressure from below. But we actually don't need to look as far as France, for example, as of what we could and should be doing to keep fighting back. Look at Atlanta. Look at the movement to stop Cobb City. That's a fight for many different things. Social justice, climate justice, indigenous justice. The city of Atlanta plans to lease 85 acres of the Walani Forest to the Atlanta Police Foundation to construct a $90 million police training facility, which would include some sort of mock village where cops can essentially practice their state-sanctioned violence. Even after the people of Atlanta told city officials, we don't want that, the city's still moving forward with it. So Atlanta forest defenders have been camping in that area where cop cities plan to be built for over a year now. That's it. That's all they're doing. They're simply occupying that space and they're doing it peacefully. Even for that simple fact that they are peacefully camping in that area, the cops killed one of them. Manuel Tehran, also known as Tortuguita. They were shot 57 times with their hands up which is obviously horrible and tragic and illustrates very clearly why we don't want or need a cop city. And on top of that, forest defenders are being charged as domestic terrorists. Peaceful protesters, simply camping in a forest, are apparently domestic terrorists. Give me a break. The violence and repression is coming from the other side, which is why we can't stop resisting, even if cop city seems inevitable. The Atlanta forest defenders need support. It's more likely we win if we work together. Look at LA. Thousands of workers in the LA school district, the second largest school district in the US, walked off the job for three days in protest of their wages and working conditions. What made this strike so powerful was the solidarity between two different unions. The SEIU, which represents a lot of staff like bus drivers, custodians, classroom assistants, and the UTLA, which represents mostly teachers and some other staff. Two separate unions working together were able to completely halt business as usual, shutting down schools for three days. And by doing so, they were able to win. They won wage increases, more health insurance, and more support. That's what it takes. Solidarity and collective action, which can look different everywhere, like a massive strike or even just slowing down work as much as possible. The labor movement has always faced union busting and our labor rights are always under attack. But the most recent assault is on our right to strike one of our most important tools in the class struggle. The Supreme Court's hearing a case, Glacier Northwest versus the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, with a decision potentially coming in May. Essentially, the Teamsters represented some drivers at a cement company in Seattle, Glacier Northwest. Back in 2017, the local went on strike and the drivers stopped working, which is how a strike works. Uh, but eventually the cement in their trucks hardened and it had to be destroyed. But now Glacier is suing the Teamsters for intentional property damage. Now, the National Labor Relations Act protects our right to strike, but we're supposed to take reasonable steps to ensure a company's property isn't damaged during the strike, which is what the Teamsters did. Listen, I don't really know how cement works, but the drivers do, and they did their part to make sure the cement wouldn't harden immediately after they went on strike. But the strike lasted a week. And at some point over the course of that time, while they were on strike and not working, which is their right to do, the cement hardened, which, according to Glacier, damaged property. To that, I would say, if Glacier didn't want their cement to harden, they should have just given the drivers what they wanted to avoid a strike, or given in to the union's demands sooner. The drivers were exercising their right to strike, which, again, the whole point of a strike is to disrupt business as usual and threaten profits. 
And that action is currently protected under federal law. So the fact that this case is going to the Supreme Court is extremely concerning. It could have serious implications on our legal ability to strike and what a strike looks like. What's the point of a strike if we have to keep working to a certain extent to secure the company's profits? Or what if we have to pay back the company for the profits they lost while we were on strike? That defeats the purpose. All working class people everywhere need to mobilize to protect our labor rights because the folks in power will keep trying to take away our ability to fight back. They'll try to make strikes illegal. They'll try to make peaceful protests illegal. Look at Nashville. After a school shooting, thousands of students organized a peaceful protest to demand common sense gun control. And some Democratic lawmakers stood in solidarity with their constituents, the people they're supposed to represent. And those Democrats were expelled for doing what we expect our politicians to do, to stand up for us and with us. Of course, the expulsions didn't last long because that attack was mostly bark and no bite. But it shows that the ruling class, especially the right wing, doesn't like it when politicians actually stand in solidarity with the people because they don't want the people to have a real say in government. And while it's an interesting case study, we shouldn't lose focus that that instance was sparked because a large group of young people had organized and mobilized. That's something we need to remember. And there are plenty of other examples of struggle that we can draw inspiration from, past and present. Look at indigenous water protectors. Look at migrant justice movements. Look at the fight for reproductive rights and LGBTQ rights. All of these struggles are not over. Have we suffered major losses? Sure. But the people, united, will never be defeated. We need coalitions. We need labor unions. We need mutual aid networks. We need lots of different experiments that bring people together. We need to keep fighting, keep trying, no matter how daunting the task, no matter how impossible it seems. And we need to be in it for the long haul. Thanks for listening and let's buckle up.